Entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Been a great third down defense the last two weeks. The Steelers have got an interception. And a run back. All the way home. It's Belaine with the touchdown on the pick six. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. T.C. Martin. Mahomes drifting. Downfield. Intercepted. His first of the season, Jeff Heath. Now in hour number two here on this thunderous Thursday, literally like almost like a thunderous Thursday, right? Not just a name only, but yeah, a little uh, inclement weather. Heidi Fang can attest to that. Uh, she joined us last segment outside the Raiders facility there in Windy Henderson. Appreciate her for joining us. Uh, Brian Salmon, News 3 as well, too. And uh, don't forget, we'll be uh, gathering tonight over at uh, Twin Peaks to uh, honor our great friend, uh, Ballpark uh, Frank. And uh, his favorite spot was uh, Twin Peaks there on uh, Eastern. And uh, I, I do believe that, you know, Frank, um, he, he liked the, the ambience and the view more than he liked the food there. He liked the food. And I'm not talking about the television screens. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to that tonight. So feel free to come on out. And uh, very informal, very casual to uh, share some memories and some thoughts and some stories of our good friend, uh, Ballpark Frank. will be out there between 6 and 9 p.m. tonight. Twin Peaks there on Eastern. All right. Uh, this hour, we will start diving into week 14 of the NFL. Scott Spritzer will join us. We'll start uh, handicapping all of the games uh, coming up. Uh, on Sunday uh, on the NFL side. And also, don't forget tomorrow, Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Uh, Jay Schrader, the former Raiders quarterback, uh, will be joining us tomorrow. Best bet segment and a whole lot more coming your way. So a very busy Friday, football Friday afternoon, of course, at our Friday home, the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. And uh, join us now is our good friend. There she is, the public health pharmacist, Dr. Christina Madison. The amazing Dr. Christina Madison. What is going on, my friend? Hello, TC. How are you? I am. How are you feeling? I am good. I am good? feeling. I had I had uh, told the world uh, an hour or so ago that I just got done getting shot up by you, and uh, I'm, I'm feeling good. I had my booster shot today administered by the one and only Dr. Christina Madison, and uh, I, I'm feeling good. I'm a little leery that tomorrow I could be uh, feeling violently ill, or at least maybe uh, not being able to swing a baseball bat, uh, you know, tomorrow. Uh, but that's okay. That's okay. Uh, I'm I, I I needed my booster. I got my booster, and I'm I'm ready to roll. So thank you very much for administering that. Uh, you and uh, Miss Nigeria for doing a fine job today over there off of Arvel. <laughs> Yes, my, my student was very excited to give you the vaccine, and then when you told her that you preferred me, she was a little sad. <laughs> That's okay. I'm so glad that you got it, and as you can see, she was very excited. Oh, okay. So that was your student. Okay, because I was, wasn't sure, and uh, yeah, she was, she was fantastic, and uh, so... She was asking, you know, I was asking her some questions, and then, you know, after my my 15-minute wait period, I was sitting there, 
And um, she goes, yeah, you know, after 15 minutes, you can go. And I said, oh, do you mind if I ask you a couple questions? And she goes, oh, no, sure, no problem. I said, okay, well, um, you know, what, what can I take uh, you know, for pain, I had heard someone told me that uh, I'm in a leave guy. I usually take a leave when I have headaches. I said, can I take a leave? And she goes, no, 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 a leave's not good, um, that uh, you need to take Tylenol. I said, oh, okay. Um, and I go, well, what about Viagra? And then she ran away at that point in time. <laughs> yes, she told me. Oh, she <laughs> She did tell you that. Oh, well, you didn't bring that up, so you know. She, so, she was a little frightened by you after that. She was. Oh, no. That's why she didn't come back. She actually laughed. Now, come on. She wasn't frightened. She laughed. She was like, oh, my goodness. Oh. And I said, is that, is that, I said, that's a legitimate question. I mean, you know, you never know about some of these medications, uh, Dr. Christina. You can mix and match or whatever, so... Uh, I don't know. Is that now? Uh, people probably want to know what the answer to that is. So, can you help our listeners out? Yes. So, the thing with the Aleve is that it's an anti-inflammatory, and so anything that's like an NSAID or an, uh, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, we don't recommend that you take at least for the first few days because we don't want to blunt the response of the vaccine. Because remember. It's all about antibodies, and it's all about making sure that you produce as much of those neutralizing antibodies as possible. So if it's just something for fever or pain relief, that's why we recommend just the Tylenol. So should you stay away from even the Tylenol or any other medication, or is, it, is that perfectly fine to, to go Tylenol? No, Tylenol is totally fine, especially if you're experiencing pain or fever. Right. Um, it's just the anti-inflammatory that we're trying to like not counteract the way that the vaccine is trying to protect you against the virus. Okay. Okay. And you didn't answer the last part of the question that our listeners are probably more more interested in. Uh, about specifically about the Viagra. Yes. There's yeah. No, yeah. There's no contraindication. <laughs> Um, and there's no restriction on activity once you get your booster. No. So have at it. <laughs> there it is. There it is. You right. can do it. <laughs> All right. So I would actually encourage physical activity, not you just can do for it. your mental health, but also for your physical health. There she is. She's advocating it. There he is. All right. Right, good stuff. All right. So get out and play. All right. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, with a booster shot, there are a lot of questions. I know some people think that once you got vaccinated originally, that that's really all you needed. So, you know, I know, you know, put that, you know, dispel that, that myth there, so to speak. And, and how necessary is the booster shot? So right now, based on the information that we know, uh, especially now that we have this new Omicron variant, the booster dose is extremely important. So over time, the immunity that we have from the primary series, so if you got the messenger RNA vaccine, so either Moderna or Pfizer, uh, we know that the, the immunity from that wanes. Uh, over about the course of about six to nine months. So after about six months, it starts going down. And then after about nine months, um, the, it, it's 
pretty um, it's pretty low. So we are encouraging everyone to get boosted if it's been at least six months since they got the messenger RNA vaccine. And really, we always knew with the Johnson and Johnson that the likelihood of them needing a second dose was probably pretty high. Um, and so two months after the Johnson and Johnson, we're now recommending for people to get a booster and preferably with one of the messenger RNA products. So if you got Johnson and Johnson um, or also known as Janssen, we are recommending that you get either a Pfizer or Moderna um, because the mixing and matching actually resulted in a better immune response. Mm-hmm. So um, boosters, extremely important, especially now with the new Omicron variant, which is now here in the United States. Oh, yeah. And I want to talk to you about that as well, too. But back, with the Pfizer, the Moderna, it's it's really just pretty much a, a preference. Um, but is, is one you know stronger than the other or one would last longer than the other? So from the studies, there was really only a slightly better efficacy with Moderna versus Pfizer, but ultimately they're pretty much almost equivalent. Now, with specifically for the variant, um, we know that uh, both Pfizer and Moderna are work against Delta. Pfizer just released their information um, yesterday looking at Omicron and basically, again, advocating for the booster dose, saying that it is less if you only have the two doses, but if that if you're boosted, that you will likely be able to um, be protected against severe illness, hospitalization, and death associated with the Omicron variant. So, again, another reason why you should get boosted if you are eligible. Mm. So what can you tell us about the Omicron for people that have not really familiar with this? So basically what happened is at the beginning of December, there was reports of this new uh, strain of the virus that was extremely mutated. So just to give you a comparison, um, the mutations on the spike protein, which is the outside of the virus for Delta, were about, um, there was about nine different mutations. This one has over 30. Wow. On the outside of the cell. Yeah. So, and and basically what it's translating to is it's very highly transmissible. So we had the alpha variant before, which was the predominant virus that was circulating before the summertime. And then in the summer, we had the surge of Delta, and that was very highly transmissible and also seemed to make people sicker quicker. And now we've got Omicron, which seems to be spreading even faster than Delta But it does seem silver lining that it doesn't seem to make people as sick because when you have something that's so highly mutated, oftentimes it's not as fit. It's not as robust, like it's not able to survive as long. And so um, it it doesn't seem to be making people sicker. It is making people um, uh, infected quicker 
but it doesn't seem to be trans- translating to severe illness as of right now. So the one thing I want people to understand is, yes, we know that Omicron is in the United States, but as of right now, we are still dealing with Delta, and Delta is still causing um, you know, 99% of all the new cases, and those cases are all 100% preventable if you're vaccinated. So with all, you know, the new variants that have transpired here since since COVID's been out there, you, you mentioned the Delta, the Omicron is out there. Is is Are these uh, as deadly as as the original COVID that we that we saw or are, are they all different or do we still not know enough about that? So they actually are all different. So it seems like the first version um, caused people to be sick, um, and it seemed like those those individuals um, were more likely to get long COVID. Um, so that is something that we observed with more people that were sicker earlier on in the pandemic. Unfortunately, Delta has caused a lot more severe disease and illness in particular in unvaccinated persons, as well as the fact that they've ca- it's caused breakthrough cases. So it does seem to be um, more highly transmissible um, and cause more severe disease. And then this newest uh, variant, we're not too sure about it yet. What we do know is all laboratory tests. So we haven't seen anything um, in real time other than what we've seen out of South Africa, um, which is that most of those cases have been very mild um, and people seem to be recovering pretty quickly. So even though there's a lot of disease that's spreading very quick, people seem to be getting over it very quickly as well. So that's somewhat promising, um, and hopefully that will be the same here in the U.S. All right. Dr. Christina Madison joins us, the public health pharmacist. You can check her out at Uh She's everywhere. She's with us. She's on television. She is uh, the source. Uh, no question around here in Las Vegas. And appreciate uh, your insight. You know, when you look around, things kind of seem back to normal. Uh, we still see people wearing masks, but do you feel that people are still taking the necessary precautions that uh, that we need to, you know, are they doing enough right now? I mean, I think it really just depends on the person. So, I mean, just for me personally, I feel like I've heard more stories of breakthrough cases. So people who've been vaccinated that have tested positive for COVID or who've gotten COVID that weren't boosted. So like, I feel like I'm hearing more cases of that because people have let their guard down, right? So they've been, you know, going to holiday parties. They went and hung out with friends over the Thanksgiving holiday. And so I feel that, you know, it's kind of a mix. Uh, Obviously, as soon as I heard about Omicron, you know, my you know, my antennas were up and I was very, you know, aware of what was going on. And I found that out the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So, uh, you know, it was definitely concerning. And so we as a family have, 
you know, not really gone out to eat much. And, you know, we don't really go around people that we know aren't vaccinated, but that's not everyone. I do think that there is this rush to normalcy because everybody is just sick and tired of this pandemic. (laughs) You know, we're just, we have such pandemic fatigue that everybody just wants things to be normal. And as much as we want to be done with this virus, this virus is not done with us. And so I think it really is just going back to people's individual risk. And if you are unboosted, I would think twice about going to large public events. Um, If you are unvaccinated, I would absolutely not be attending any live in-person events. Um, especially even if you've had COVID, we know that this new variant can evade the immune system. And with natural infection, you are 11 times more likely to be sick and potentially hospitalized Mm -hmm. and die from COVID. So just having had COVID isn't enough. Um, You need to be vaccinated. What do you think is the biggest misconception that is still out there right now that that people still may be confused about? I think it's the perception of risk because either they don't know anybody who's had COVID or they just don't think COVID is a big deal or they feel like it's a big conspiracy and it's just, you know, one big, you know, excuse to you know, for the government to control them or or they're just they just don't have the time or they fear having side effects from the vaccine and they don't want to have to take off work. Um, you know, there's lots of different reasons why I think people choose to stay unvaccinated. Um, but, you know, there's just so many stories of people who, you know, have passed away. You know, we have 140,000 children in this country who've lost a primary caregiver or parent during this pandemic, and that just continues to increase. Um, you know, we're almost at 800,000 people dying from this virus, and the last 150,000 were all preventable because. They were people who were unvaccinated. So as a public health professional and as a mom, it just pains me to see all of this unnecessary, you know, illness and death. And I just I wish that people were thinking about this, not just for their own individual liberty, but really thinking about it based on the community good. You know, the whole reason why we have a new variant is because we didn't prioritize vaccinating the world because we don't have closed borders. You know, everyone in this world is subject to this virus. And if if not everyone is vaccinated, then it's it's as if no one is vaccinated. So we're going to continue to have this problem unless we get everyone vaccinated. When you see the athletes that refuse to get vaccinated. Uh, obviously, the Aaron Rodgers story was, was was huge, and we've seen it in the NBA. And, you know, a lot of people will look at this and just say, hey, these guys are selfish. I mean, they're playing team sports. And, and again, no one, none of these guys will give you a reason why they won't get vaccinated. But like you said, as a public health professional and an advocate for everyone to get vaccinated, how, how irritating is that to you to see these 
quote unquote superstars who people look up to and are playing a team sport refuse to get vaccinated. I mean, it's definitely disheartening and it is something that, you know, it makes me more sad than angry because I feel like they are not taking their status seriously. And the fact that they are a role model for so many that they just think, oh, well, it's no big deal. It's my own personal choice. But what they're not realizing is that that personal choice is influencing millions of other people. And not to mention the fact that I feel like they're being so callous against their teammates. You know, like, I feel, you know, that it's just, it's very selfish, which you mentioned before, but also just it's hurtful, you know, that they would be so, you know, callous with not just their own health and safety, but the health and safety of their teammates. Because here's the thing, yeah, they're young, they're healthy, they're in the prime of their life, and they'll likely not have any, you know, long-term side effects or complications if they do get COVID. But what if they are that 1% of people that end up with long-term debilitating side effects from having COVID-19, where it could potentially ruin their career if they're at the prime of their life and at the top of their game and they get COVID and they don't recover fully, they may not be able to play again. And now that that's, that's money that 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 person is now taking out of their teammates pocket because they were so selfish that they didn't want to get vaccinated and they didn't want to protect themselves. So again, it, saddening to me but really I just I feel like they don't understand what their status is within you know the community as a whole and the fact that they are role models and that they can impact so many other lives just by you know one decision that they're making and so Unfortunately, we have to counter a lot of that misinformation and disinformation with good stories and positive vaccine confidence, but it does make it really hard and it makes my job even more difficult. So we know that, you know, we've talked about this before, the Raiders and now UNLV are requiring fans to be vaccinated, you know, to to come to the games. And we've seen fans who come from out of town to come to these games not knowing this, and, and, and they get they get kind of stuck. But again, it's it's one of these things where would you rather see this be a universal thing where it's not just a a a team to team thing? Because again, there's actually teams in in you know mul- you know different teams in the same city, and some adhere to that, and, and others aren't. Where do you think sports is going to go in general? Not just sports, but then you know with the concerts coming back and all these other events here. I mean, should should they be all required to be vaccinated to go to these events? So what I think is going to eventually happen is that good public health policy is going to meet good business decisions, right? Because having that reliability of knowing that not only that your players, your staff, your patrons are all healthy and well is going to help your bottom line as a business. And so I think what's going to end up happening is that 
the public health policy is going to end up meeting the business need and that we will eventually end up with vaccine passports and that that's going to be needed to get into all public places. I think that that's what we're going to end up getting to. Um, and, you know, and if, and if you don't have a, a, you know, a passport, you will probably be required to take a rapid test right. to enter a public place. Now, I, don't know if you... I think that's what we're, I just think that's, that's, it's an eventuality because you're, as a business, you're not going to be able to run your business and not have that, that consistency and that reliability. So I heard that, you know, Adele is, is coming here for a concert and to get into that show, you must be vaccinated and you also have to have proof that you had a negative test that day or within 24 hours of attending the show. I mean, that's what you have to do to get on an international flight. So why should it be any different? Okay, right. I mean, if you're paying $16,000 a ticket, I saw the ticket prices, <laughs> which are insane. <laughs> um, a night with Adele is literally a night with Adele. No <laughs> like, kidding, right? Sixteen you know? grand. Wow. So uh, you know, 30, yeah. 32 grand for a date. That, that's one heck of a date night, right? Yeah. I mean, I better get the diamond. <laughs> Dr. Christina Madison, uh, always a pleasure. Uh, thank you very again, uh, again for updating us on, on everything here, uh, not just from a local standpoint, but everything else that's going on. And, uh, and mucho thanks uh, for administering my shot uh, today personally. Uh, I really appreciate that. And, uh, uh, and again, uh, hopefully I don't have any um, ill effects here in the next couple of days. But uh, I got a feeling... I'll get through it. I'll be fine. If not, then I'm going to be calling you and crying. Well, I'll definitely be checking up on you, and I will see you tonight for Ballpark Frank's um, celebration of life. Um, he was such a lovely gentleman, and he um, always brightened up my mood whenever I saw him. Um, loved that salty humor, and just um, it's a loss. And I thank you for organizing and uh, and for being such a great host and a great friend. Uh, we know that he really appreciated you. He loved uh, talking with you, loved having you on the show, uh, loved uh, giving you a bad time about uh, your food choices as well, too. So uh, all in good fun. <laughs> yes. But, uh, yes, as you know, just a, uh, he was a very big advocate, uh, you know, for you. Uh, as we all are here, you know, again, in, in, in sharing, you know, your wisdom and knowledge and, and updating us all. Because a lot of times, you know, when we're in the sports world, you know, we, you know, sometimes we do get, uh, you know, caught up in, in the games and everything else. And it's like, hey, we need to get a step back here. And uh, remember, I mean, everybody needs to remain smart and be protected and more importantly, be vaccinated and now boosted. So. Absolutely. Come see me. All right, Christina Madison, appreciate you. Take care, girl. All right. All there, right, bye-bye. There she is, Dr. Christina Madison, the public health pharmacist. Great follow on Twitter as well. And, uh, again, go to her website as well, publichealthpharmacist.com. We come back. Scott Spritzer joins us. We start handicapping week 14 of the National Football League. Get wrecked with the Dr. T.C. Martin. Week 14, NFL, 
Here we go. Coming up uh, this Sunday, we got Raiders, we got Chiefs to talk about, and a whole lot more. And we got football tonight. That's right, in Minneapolis, St. Paul. We got the Vikings and the Steelers. Let's break it all down with our good friend Scott Spritzer. Scott, what's up? What's going on, TC? Hey, man. We're just uh, doing good here. Uh, feeling good, feeling fine. Uh, got my booster today, so uh, I, I'm, I'm good. I, 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 feel hey. com- I feel comfortable, man. Had mine a couple of weeks ago, about three weeks ago, and I used it as a great excuse that night, about eight hours after I got it, to sleep in the next day. It was fantastic. <laughs> now, did you have any any side effects, Scott? Uh, just tired. Just just felt like sleeping, and I had no problem doing that. <laughs> there you go. As you should, my friend. I mean, the guy who uh, – his sleep uh, his sleep hours are crazy. I, I, what is sleep for you? I have no idea. You know, I've been doing this, though, for so long, I don't even remember being on a normal cycle of of being awake and being asleep. And it's been like 30 years of, like, I'm just a late-night guy. Mm -hmm. And so we're talking fall asleep between 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. If I fall asleep at 3, I'm up about 10 a.m., 10, 15. If I fall asleep at 4, maybe another half hour. So a good six hours is all I need. And, again, I'm just a late-night guy, and it's like, I get all my energy going usually around nine thirty, ten o'clock at night when everybody else is is calling it quits for the night. So just been that way ever since I had to work overnight radio. Yeah. My first Las Vegas radio job way back in the late eighties, and I've never gotten over being that overnight, you know, kind of mentality. Is there such a thing as a breakfast for you? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, ten thirty in the morning there's a breakfast, so everybody okay. else's brunch is generally my breakfast, you know. So, okay, you know, so, and, I, and I do, you know, my hours that I'm awake are all like, you know, normal folks. I have a breakfast, I have a lunch. It's just when you know you or friends of ours say, "Hey, let's meet for lunch at 12. I'm like, "Well, that's my brunch, right? maybe. <laughs> I might not even be ready for that yet. I just finished my breakfast a half hour ago, so oh, you know, <laughs> good stuff, man. Yeah, see, that's why you you're, you're good at that, like after show time. You know, you're good for that yeah four or five o'clock meal, and it's it's probably your lunch uh, there uh, or your or your senior citizen dinner. Call it whatever you want, <laughs> <laughs> basically. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man, we got a game tonight, and we actually got a pretty good one uh, with the Steelers and the Vikings. Uh, some crazy numbers out there uh, for this, and I'm not talking about the line because the line is pretty much you know right at three. There's a couple three-and-a-halves out there with the home team and the Vikings. But Minnesota, as I've talked about quite a bit, is just a team that you know is going to be in a close ball game. 11 of their 12 games have been decided by one score or less. Uh, seven of the 12 games decided on the last play of the game. I mean, how crazy is that? And then I believe 10 of the 12 have actually gone down to the final minute. So if you're looking to lay any more than a touchdown with the Vikings, usually not a good play here. But since it's only three tonight, Scott, do you feel semi-comfortable? Yeah, I do. And now that you've said all that, the you know winning margin will be 21 by right. one of these two teams tonight. I, I, I'm you know? thinking that too, but, right. Exactly. Yeah, but no, I, I laid the three with the Vikings and – you know, folks like the Steelers, there are plenty of three-and-a-halves out there just about everywhere now, so they can grab three-and-a-hook. But I laid the three with the Vikings, and, you know, I had Pittsburgh last week. They played their tails off. They eventually hung on for that 20-19 to win and cover. And, yes, I was thanking John Harbaugh for going for two. I didn't want a chance losing that game if it went to overtime. So I was very pleased with the two-point attempt. Uh, but they benefited from familiarity with their division opponent. They benefited from the fact that the Ravens' offense has stopped scoring the last several games for the most part. And now this week they go outside of the division after that huge win. They're going to face a quarterback in Cousins who's playing extremely well. 
Now, this guy gets a ton of negative ink, yet he's hitting 68% of his passes, 25 touchdowns, only three picks. Uh, the Vikings' offense is averaging almost 30 points per game in the last five, and they won't have Adam Thielen tonight. We do know about that. But Justin Jefferson, if he's healthy, I mean, he's the top playmaker at wideout as is, and he is healthy. Uh, you got Conklin at tight end. you got Dalvin Cook upgraded to probable uh, for this game. And then, you know, there is a trend. And I don't talk about trends too much on your show, TC. I'm not a big trend guy. But I do like a few that kind of fit the mode more than just, you know, hey, this team when coming off a Sunday game plan on a Thursday. I don't care about that stuff. I like NFL-wide angles. And what this angle is is that NFL team, so kind of – in line with human nature more than just a particular team. NFL teams have covered 35 of their last 119 if they're off an outright home underdog win within their division. And, of course, that team that we're talking about has to have a winning record. So it's a situation where your mindset is so into winning that game as an underdog within your division that if you do win that game you weren't expected to, it's a little bit tough to go outside of your division and get that same intensity back uh, to that level. So, again, it's 35 and 84 the last 119 times, and it doesn't matter the team. Uh, but it wasn't the reason I backed the Vikings. It's icing on the cake, so to speak. If the Vikings win and cover, that angle sounds great. You know, and I think they win this game by a touchdown. I, I just don't know that the Steelers' offense is going to be able to hang. And, again, the Vikings' offense is starting to score some points the last four or five games. From from the mental aspect here, the mindset of this Vikings team, you are playing at home tonight, but you're coming off an embarrassing you know loss the way that thing was. And it was kind of sure. a weird game, too, where Detroit gets their first victory, and the Lions score 20 points uh, you know, in the second quarter, and then the Vikings battle uh, their way back, and it's like, okay, you watch the final minutes of this game. It's like, okay, well, Detroit's going to you know throw this thing away, and they basically did. The Vikings took the lead with well, under a minute to go, and then sure enough, you know, Goff throws the touchdown pass, and then boom, you're walking out of there with with a loss. And again, it was an embarrassing loss because it was the Lions' first loss, and, and no one wants to you know be in that situation. Then on top of that, you've got the Mike Zimmer situation. This team is now five and seven. Uh, they're calling for his head. A lot of people feel in Minnesota that that it's just a matter of time before he does get fired here. So where is the Vikings, you know, psyche here, you know, in this situation and everything we just uh, you know talked about? Yeah, I think this is like you know the last stand type of thing. You lose this game and Zimmer's done. You know, and probably your not until done. the end of the season, yeah. but he's done. Yeah, and your season's done. And your season's and, done, too. Exactly. Your season's done because you'd have to win four in a row just to get to nine wins at that point, and that's probably not going to happen if you lose this game tonight. So even if they win this game tonight, we might not see Zimmer on the Vikings sideline next year. We might not see the Vikings reach their playoff goal this year. Uh, but the bottom line is, is this is it, and you're right. They come off of that embarrassing loss to Detroit. If you lose that game and it's like a, you know, you're down 27-20 with 10 minutes to go in the game, you end up losing. That's one thing. But if you lose the game the way they did in, you know, in the final minute there and, and your defense is just a mess in that late portion of the game where the Lions were able to come back and win that football game, you've got to be you know, obviously licking your wounds, you're embarrassed, and you come to play and you're focused. And for that reason, I stuck with the Vikings and laid the field goal in this particular game. Now, if they lose this one, it's going to be awfully tough to back this team the rest of the way. But they're also catching, again, Pittsburgh in a real tough spot off that outright underdog win 
over the Ravens, which is their game of the year every year when they play them twice a season. So, again, I don't like the Pittsburgh offense. I think Minnesota's offense is playing well. You know, you got to also take into account, and this is why it's not a big play for me, is that Cousins, even with all those great stats that I mentioned earlier, doesn't win in primetime, doesn't cover the spread in primetime. So you got to get over that hurdle also. All right. Any uh, opinion on the total here? No, not really. You know, I think it's pretty much it's, it's within a point of where I had it. And it's funny because when it comes to a side, if I'm a point, a point and a half off the side, that's a big deal for right. me. If it's a total and I'm off a point, uh, it doesn't really matter to me a whole lot. I, I see 44 and a half just about everywhere. You know, th- this looks like the type of game to me that's going to be a – you know, a 27-17 type of Vikings win, so I'm right there with the total. All right. Cowboys are playing Washington. We saw what Washington uh, did last week. They came in here and, and really, I don't want to use the term dominated, but they really did control that game with the Raiders. They scored in the first drive and just really never had a feeling that the that Washington was going to lose that game last week. This team has put together a nice little, little run here. I believe what now, what, four in a row uh, with Washington, and now they're playing Dallas at home and they're getting points at home. Any opinion on that game, Scott? Yeah, you know, they're getting it done with defense, Washington, and a decent game management from Taylor Heineke. Uh, They've held their last four opponents' offenses in check. Now they're facing a Dallas offense that, you know, they might be ready to bust out here as everybody starts to get a little healthier. If you did nothing, TC, but bet six figures per game, which I know you do often, but if you bet six figures per game on Dak Prescott against his own division, you're on a beach in the Pacific right now drinking Mai Tais for lunch. You know, I'm telling you right now, this guy's been money when he is playing within his division. Uh, Washington has to win with its defense. They can't get into a shootout. And whether Dallas wins and covers or not, I expect the game to land in the low 40s. So for me, it was under. I, I didn't see in the last couple of hours where the total is, but it was 48 when I played it under. And I still think it stays there. But at some point, you know, you're going to have to have Heineke do more than game manage. He's going to have to carry a team on his shoulders for a good chunk of a football game. And that means more than just game managing and not making mistakes. And that could very well be here because I think, you know, it's a situation where the Cowboys are going to get the lead, maintain the lead, look to develop that run and short passing situation and run that clock a little bit. So for me, it's a lean to Dallas and a play on the under. All right. Chiefs and the Raiders. We uh, know what happened last year. The Raiders actually got the victory in Kansas City, and then Kansas City returned the favor with a big-time spanking er earlier this season at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, And Kansas City seems to be like the the Chiefs team that we're accustomed to seeing here uh, come December. Uh, This team is uh, starting to put it together, Scott. They're on a roll. And on the other side, we don't know what we're going to get with the Raiders. Uh, The Raiders seem to be a better team on the road than they are at home. But how can you... How can you trust this team? Now, now the line is now up to 10, open at 9, 9.5, and and now it's up to 10. Uh, If if you're a Raider fan here, do you you feel comfortable in in, in taking this team plus 10? You know, I took them on Thanksgiving Day, and they had that real nice win, and they end up scoring like 33 points in overtime to get that win over the Cowboys. But that offense has lost four of the last, or they've lost four of the last five games as a team. The offense has been garbage in those four losses. I think 16 points was the high in those four losses that they've suffered recently. And again, you know, I'm not the first one to point to this, but if Derek Carr doesn't pass for 300 yards or more, they lose football games. They're over when he doesn't pass for at least 300 yards. So he's going to have to have a big game, and Kansas City's defense has been playing upstanding football. 
after the way they struggled to start the season the last several games. For the most part, they've played really well. I don't think, you know, I wanted really badly TC to play Las Vegas and take the points in this one because Kansas City's now back to being a little overvalued after they had gone a few games there where they weren't. And I actually played KC a couple of times and got wins with them. But now they're back to being, you know, just a little bit overvalued for me. So I looked to back Las Vegas, but when I saw, you know, how poorly that offense has played for most of the last five or six weeks, I thought I just don't trust them here to get the job done. I don't think they're going to lose by 27 again like they did before, but I, I think they lose by probably 10 to 14 points in this game. And I, I just don't want to mess. They're too inconsistent on offense. They got all the crap that's gone on all season off the field. And this is one of those games where let's say they have a winning record and they're playing well and they're, you know, eight and four right now or something like that. And they're down 10 at the half. They know they're in it. They know they're eight and four. They got a chance to, you know, make a comeback on a couple of adjustments in the second half. If they're down 10 midway through the second quarter at halftime, I think this team really starts doubting themselves. So I left it alone. A lean towards Las Vegas just because I think the Chiefs are slightly overvalued. All right. Scott Spreiser joins us, Doc Sports. You can check out all of Scott's stuff there at DocSports.com. Probably the marquee game of the weekend is Buffalo and Tampa Bay. You know, Buffalo, uh, I don't know if I want to say they laid the egg on Monday night, but they just got outplayed, and it was just they got uh, out-physicaled, if that's even a, a, a term. I mean, New England just took it to them, ran the ball 46 times, 222 yards, and uh, the Bills had no answer for the physicalness that the uh, Patriots gave them. And now they got a, you know, a short week, got to go on the road. Uh, you know, weather's not going to be a problem, you know, going to Tampa Bay, but the Bucks are playing some good football uh, here, you look at Buffalo, you say, hey, I kind of like Buffalo plus three and a half. I think they're going to bounce back. We can make the excuse, you know, weather and everything else. And uh, But I don't know. I'm not sure what to make of this team, you know, right now, Scott, because we've seen inconsistencies with this team. The last two home games, they've been dreadful, giving up, uh, you know, big chunks of yardage against the Colts on the ground, Jonathan Taylor. And then, like we mentioned, what we saw on Monday night. What is your take of the Buffalo Bills right now? Yeah, full disclosure, I had the, the Bills on Monday night. And, you know, it was a great spot if you like to play situations in the NFL, which I tend to do when it comes to the NFL and the NBA when it comes to the pro sports. And, and so I did play them the other night. And obviously there was the win situation. It kind of changed maybe the outlook of how they were going to have to play the game. But great, same for New England. And we watched a coaching clinic yes. put on by Belichick and his staff. And we watched what looked like, high school amateur coaches on the other sideline. They threw the ball 30 times. You know, (laughs) New England threw the ball three times, two for three, Mac Jones, in that game. And it was just like, we're just going to run the football at you. And if you can't stop us, you're going to lose. If you stop us, you're going to win. It was as simple as that. And having said that, even though the Pats completely outcoached them, the players followed and bought into what was going on, they still had a chance to win, and they still couldn't pull it out. But throwing the ball 30 times in that garbage, that soup the other night with crazy wins, was just asinine as far as I was concerned. So, listen, I had the bills. I lost. I was a little ticked off because of the way they approached that game when they knew how bad the weather was on Monday. The scary thing about the Buffalo Bills right now and trying to back them is that they've combined for 31 points against Jacksonville, Indianapolis, and New England over the past month. In only one of those games did we see ridiculous wins and terrible conditions. 31 points against those three teams that I just mentioned over the last month, over the last four or five games. It's tough to back them when you're going to go up now against an offense that just gels. I mean, as far as Tampa Bay is concerned, everybody knows 
where they're supposed to be, and they follow suit, and they listen to the general Tom Brady, and, and they tear t- defenses apart. Here's the thing. They've won, what, their last eight home games. They've covered seven, talking about Tampa Bay. I, I haven't played this game yet, TC, and as bad as I just dogged <laughs> Buffalo's <laughs> offense, I'm leaning towards the over, which is 53-and-a-half, but I'm a little bit concerned that everybody I talk to is on the Buffalo Bills in this game like it's automatic. Well, they've got to win, so they're going to. I, I always pump the brakes and I say teams in any sport that are in a must-win situation are in a must-win spot because they're not good enough to not be in a must-win spot. You know? So when I look at it that way, it is much more important, obviously, for the Bills with a 7-5 and five record, losing ground to New England, Miami right on their tails, where Tampa Bay is going to be relaxed. They don't have to win. they got a huge lead in their division. Uh, it's a very slight lean towards the Bills. If I do get involved in this game, it's going to be over 53-and-a-half. Yeah, I, everything you said is, is ditto. I was j- just like you on the Bills, uh, upset watching that game on Monday night. Again, the coaching clinic. Uh, it took place, and then uh, again, you know, you know, Josh Allen kind of making some mistakes as well too. But that was definitely on the coaching, and they did not know how to how to react to that situation, which uh, yeah. a situation they should be much more familiar with by playing <laughs> at home. And you expect that. I mean, December Buffalo, you know what you're going to get in that situation, and New England just took it to them. And yeah, you got to be prepared for yes, that. I mean, you're, you hit the nail on the head. You know where you're playing. You know the division you're playing. You got to might might be playing in you know, New England or against the New York Jets in bad weather situations outside of Miami. You got three cities that could be terrible weather late in the year, and you didn't have a game plan for that. You come out and throw the ball 30 times when you're never trailing. You know, you're, they were never out of the game. It wasn't like they were down 27-3 to three and had to throw the ball all second half long. They just didn't know what to do. Real quick, I wanted to mention this. I mentioned this on a video that I did the other day talking about uh, Josh Allen. Uh, he had that bad year at Wyoming. Then he goes crazy in the bowl game, and he gets drafted by the Bills. And I remember thinking, boy, I, I think this is too high of a pick. I, I'm not as crazy about Josh Allen. Then last year, he has a bust-out season. I'm like, all right, I'm just wrong. You know, I just missed it. He's going to be good. And then this year, it looks like I'm right again, T.C. Right? I mean, he's just not getting the job done. You know, he's thinking about running more than he is passing, it seems like, at times when he drops back. That's not the kind of quarterback I want in the NFL. That's why, as much as I like Lamar Jackson, great guy, elite level with his feet, I don't want him as my starting quarterback, you know, if I'm looking at the top ten teams in the NFL – because I want a guy who can drop back, survey the field, go through his progressions without thinking about running first, you know, and, and I feel that same way with Josh Allen. No, it's it definitely, it's, it's the mental side of it, and that's what I was concerned with uh, before, and you and I are on the exact same page. You know, a lot of fans get a little confused when they just look at numbers. They see Josh Allen, 26 touchdown passes, 10 interceptions, but you've got to look at what he's done in these big games, and then you've got to look at some of his, his mechanics and some questionable throws at times, and that's why I would l- like to be on Buffalo in this game for all those reasons you said earlier but here's the bottom line who do you trust more at quarterback Tom Brady or Josh Allen and it's a no-brainer who we trust more not just for the longevity of what Tom Brady's done as being maybe the greatest of all time but look what he's done this year I mean 34 Mm -hmm. touchdown passes the guy you know sure he threw uh you know a couple picks in a couple different games but the bottom line is he can always overcome and if a game is coming down you know on the line who do I trust more at the football is definitely Brady over Allen 
Absolutely. Totally agree. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to the, the Packers and the Bears game. Uh, Scott, big number here, 12 and a half. Justin Fields back here uh, you know, with, with the Bears. Uh, I know that the Bears are, are getting some love here, but you know, I go back to this. I'm going, hey, it's Aaron Rodgers. It's Green Bay. Uh, they own Chicago. Um, you know, and the Packers are going to win this game. It's just a matter of, of how much. Well, that's the thing. It's like, do you want to lay the 12 and a half and have to win basically by 14? Yeah. You know, this is a situation where I lean toward Chicago, big divisional home, uh, a road dog in this spot. But gosh, you look at it, like you said, Aaron Rodgers told everybody, you know, that he owns them in Chicago <laughs> right. earlier this season. But he, he does. He's won 20 of 23 in his last 23 times against this football team. And it's tough to go against that, especially when you know that Green Bay is a legit Super Bowl contender in Chicago with their quarterback situation. You know, it's a team that might come out and score seven points, and that's it for the entire game. That's why one of the reasons why that total has dropped down to 43. Justin Fields is expected to play. You know, I think he's going to have a decent career, but he's got, you know, it's always, you always talk about, hey, it's pretty good in the NFL, especially when you're young to have a two to one or better touchdown to INT ratio. He's got a one to two touchdown to INT ratio. So listen, as much as I might say this is a good spot for Chicago, I can't back right. a team that's going to be quarterbacked by a guy who has twice as many picks as he does touchdown passes, and he's banged up. There you go. All right, quick take. One game on Saturday, Army-Navy. I know you're like me, man. You love the tradition. Who do you got? I'm going to recommend a play between us on Navy plus the points. They've gotten better as the season has progressed. They've played a much tougher schedule the difficulty of schedule much more in favor of navy top 50 in fact True. in all of college football yes and if the game does play to a lower scoring game i like all those points so navy plus the points there you go yeah i thought that line was a little bit high you know when i saw that and i understand why army is the favorite and what mm-hmm. they can do with their experience uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball but yeah and it's you hit the nail on the head i was looking at the exact same thing go man navy's played a much tougher schedule so all right look forward to it. all right scott appreciate it as always my friend go uh, have yourself a great weekend scott partakes with us of course with the best bet segment as well too you can see uh, those picks up on our website but uh for his premier stuff, DocSports.com. That's where you got to go, and he's a great follow on Twitter, too, at Scott Wins. All right, brother, be good, and we'll talk to you next week. You too, TC. Take Thank- care, man. All right, there he is. Scott Sprites are getting ready to have some lunch now. There it is. <laughs> hey, man, I've been there. I mean, I've worked every shift in this business, and when I worked overnights, my, my days were all messed up. But it does take time. But this guy... He's been living this uh, handicapping world of handicapping from basically 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. for 30-plus years. So uh, great stuff. Great handicapper. All right, and we come back uh, tomorrow. We're at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Come on, see the show. Jay Schrader will be joining us. Double B, Brian Benowitz, and a cast of others. So we look forward to seeing you out there. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. And uh, feel free to come on by and see us tonight at Twin Peaks on Eastern as we toast, salute, and honor our good friend, Ballpark Frank. Have a good one. We will talk to you later. Any part of the show you miss, go to the website. Check it out, tcmartinshow.com. We will catch you later.